Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. I want to tell you today that there's hope to break through. And the transforming grace of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, He is patient with us. And He is there as an enabler, and the Holy Spirit is there as our helper every single day to be with us. And I want to talk about the Holy Spirit, because I believe, like Walter is saying, I don't think we're going to make it outside of Him. Uh, Some of the stuff that's coming in on the world, some of the temptations are going to be magnified dramatically. Ah, some Some of the controls around our lives are going to be magnified dramatically. So we need to be geared up. The Bible says, Jesus said, you don't be afraid of these things. Do not be troubled. I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus through the cross of Calvary, is under, he, has, he has been victorious over the spirit of this age. Demonic principalities, the ark over the nations. Jesus Christ has victory. And here's the good news, that you are actually a partner in him, a partner with him. So we'll go straight to the word of God and we'll build ourselves a case this morning. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a promise. And the Word of God says uh, in uh, Luke 24, 49, and a promise is always something to come. If you have promised something, it's going to be future. And this was about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Behold, I send the promise of the Father. In Acts 1, 4, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Acts 2, 33 talks about having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, which you now see in here. Acts 2.38, For the promise is for you and to your children and to all of your children's children and to all that the Lord would call. Amen? So it's a promise. How many of you love a promise? It's exciting, eh? Promises like, yeah, I promise at Christmas we're going to be doing this. I promise this time next year. It's kind of what it does. It gives us hope. It gives us expectation and a sense of anticipation. Okay, so uh, I, was, I told you last week that I was in a meeting with a woman called Jill Austin, Natasha I in Canterbury, Christchurch, and she ministered in the Holy Spirit quite powerfully or very powerfully at that time. She's no longer alive. And uh, we went to this meeting. with only be about 60, 70. It was just uh, meetings. She was running night meetings and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people were turning up for these meetings. But this particular meeting, we turned up during the day. It was a busy hour for people, but we made, we made it in. And she said something that just absolutely uh, floored me, literally. I, uh, she said this. She said, what's happened in the church is essentially we've given credence to God. We understand the cross. But he said, we have put the Holy Spirit out in the room out there. So we're tired to do Christian life outside of the Holy Spirit. Yet the foundation of the church is established by the power of God, or by the Spirit of God. When she said that, it was like the Holy Spirit took over me uh, uh, supernaturally. It was like a sovereign outpouring. It was like um, an experience. I was intellectually grasping it as we do and bringing in the Word. But when she said that, it had such an impact on me that I literally broke down. I was overcome. I was overcome by His presence. I was overcome. And there was such grief and anguish on the inside of me. There was such a sadness and such a, a grief going on on the inside of me that I began to break down and I we- I didn't care who was around. I wept and I wept and I wept and I wept. And I, I feel like in the church today, and I'm, I'll just say, I'll fire some shots out here. 
um, I feel like what's happened is this, what Murray says, and I think it's right, is we, we understand God the Father, God the Son, and we understand God the Holy Scriptures. And we should, because the Word of God is it, but what we do, we miss out the presence of God and the purpose of God, the Holy Spirit. Yet you I have been designed, and I have been designed to actually walk every single day intimately with Him. And you can't do, and I can't do, that's like running a vehicle that looks pretty on the outside, but we don't have any oil, and we don't have any petrol, and, but it's stationary. And without the Holy Spirit, we're going to be stuck, guys. Seriously, I've seen people in the church, and, and, and I'm, I, I take comfort because I know it was mirrored in the New Testament with Jesus. There were disciples that actually, if you read it, there were a group of disciples that actually walked away, followed Him no more. He would begin to preach his heart out and preach the revelations. He is God. He is the revelation and preach it to people. Yet the Pharisees and religiosity resisted him, finally hung or killed him on a cross. And so what we've got to do is whether the prayer that we need to be praying going into our future is this, Jesus, soften my heart. It's the prayer to pray. And right now you might be hanging on to some bondages and so forth, but, but you pray the prayer, God, soften my heart encounter me, draw me so close to you, draw me so close to you. That's got to be the prayer that we begin to pray. And uh, the thing that concerns me is this, is that we get bashed around in life. We have hidden expectations on God. We have expectations that God, you were going to do this and you were going to do that. And God didn't say anything. We have expectations outside of the purpose of God and outside of the timing of God. And we get upset, we get annoyed, and we get offended. You'll be surprised at how many people sitting in church life are actually offended with God. They have a root of bitterness. And they're firing shots against God and they're, they're resistant of the Lord, resistant of the movings of the Holy Spirit. And so they still carry knowledge and understanding, but there's something inside of them. There's something inside of them that refuses to budge. It's like, that's got to break, guys. It has to break through repentance. We have to get on our knees before God and say, I am sorry. I am sorry, Lord God. Forgive me for my bitterness. Forgive me for my resistance. Because I've been around a number of churches over the years, and I see sometimes the same people, but they're, 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 there's no change. There is, they're stationary. There's no change. And, and, and I, I believe the Holy Spirit is innovative. The Holy Spirit is creative. The Holy Spirit, the Bible says, the kingdom of God, it advances. And what's happening is this, we're settling for something second best. Well, it's actually not second best at all. We're settling for other things. But I feel like the, the heart of God is broken. He wants His church back. He wants to come in here. Look, let me tell you this. Do you think the world wants us? It doesn't need us. We're just another person. We're just pretty average. I'm certainly average or probably below average. I'm just an average person. But what the world is looking for is something inside of me. It's looking for Christ, the hope of all glory. That's what we offer, prostitutes man. That's what we offer religious people. That's what we offer the broken gang members. We offer the brokenhearted, we offer, uh, we offer the well, the, the lost, the broken, all sorts. We offer Him the seed of glory inside of us. It's Jesus. That's it. And, and, and I want to talk about, it, about this, and I want to keep moving on this area because, it, because I, I feel like God 
We've got to break. We've got to let go. God's on my case and he's speaking to me about different things. And as he's speaking, I'm doing, I'm upping my giving uh, a lot, actually. Uh, there's things, I'll just show, throw you that out as a, as, a, as a letter and testimony. So when the tithes and offerings go on, it's not just I'm just taking up my tithe offering. No, we're pushing out into areas. We're, I'm pushing out more into my prayer life. And this is not, this is not oh, happy, happy, good works, Jonathan. No, it's some, God is doing something. He's doing something on the inside. I prayed in the morning, yesterday morning, I'd spent my hour with the Word of God studying, and I get out there and uh, kind of about six o'clock, and I was praying, and then late at night, we're talking, and I listened to Reinhard Bonnke, this young guy called David, and how the Lord uh, touched his life, and literally thousands of people won to the Lord in, in, uh, 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 in Nigeria by this young guy, David, who's only 17 years of age, and it's an amazing story, and as he's telling it, I'm thinking, man, I, I feel the presence of God upon me listening to the testimony. And so I thought, this is not enough. I've got to go back out. So now I'm pitch black at night time, and there's the stars. Actually, there was no stars last night. And, uh, and I'm out there praying, and I'm saying, God, encounter me. God, encounter me. Let me as a pastor never get dry. Work on me. Chip my heart away. In the prayer, I'm praying, God, change my heart. Give me a heart of flesh, not a stony heart. Change me. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be a genuine disciple. I want to serve you intimately. I want to be a lover of you. I want to be able to embrace your awesome, beautiful presence. I want to be able to stand next to Paul the Apostle and not be ashamed. I want to be able to stand next to the disciples, as you should, all of them, and not be ashamed because we never gave it our best shot in life. We only get one shot and life works for us. And so I want to encourage us today, and one of the things that's on my heart is the area of Davidic worship, and we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You see, the thing is, I'm aware that we haven't got our best sound system yet. It's coming, and it's on that boat. But I know what happens. As soon as that sound system craps into gear, it's almost like it, it, acoustically, it's like, wow, this sounds great, and all of a sudden, people are going to clap. But I want to say, you make your own fire. Come on now. You know, I... I notice this, that when I clap, other people will clap, thinking, oh, because he claps, it means that I'm allowed to clap. You clap. Don't worry about whether I'm clapping or not. You start the fire. You start the whistling, the hollowing, the shouting and the praising. Please don't wait for Pastor Jono for him to actually, oh, he's clapping, therefore it's okay. Look, it's, look we're not a controlling church. We're not, we haven't got an environment of stiffness and religion. We're going to drive that thing to hell. We've got to have the freedom of the Holy Ghost. We've got to have the dancing. Some of you girls can dance, and guys, I might add, dance before the Lord. It's not time to be shy and to be sort of retired and, and backward. No, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's the time to raise your voice. It's the time to give the Lord a shout of praise. It's the time to break that insecurity in the confines of what she thinks. And here's my cousin. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even want to know that he's, I, I go to this church and that sort of stuff. No, who cares what they think? The verdict's out. Praise the Lord. Give him glory. Give him honor. This is not a shy church. Because what happens is you've got to understand religious spirits, it's about being quiet. You dropped something on the floor and every eye looks at you like the Sanhedrin. You've done something wrong. You could drop stuff on the floor. Come on now. You, you know what I'm saying? Stoke a fire. Please don't wait for me. 
Don't wait for my hands raising. Don't wait for me kneeling. Don't wait for me whistling or shouting. You start your fire. You bring your fire in here. It's a piece of wood for our flame. You bring your fire and you bring your fire and you bring your fire. They bring their fire and these bring your fire. And together we have an atomic bomb. We have something very special. And when we all come uh, corporately to pray, sustain like that, it actually splits open the heavens. You know, I, um, Midia led the worship this morning. I think it was the second song. She allowed it to go. And we were just praying and praying and praying. I should have got up and just said to her, let that thing go. Just let it go. We're not going to go into that next song. Just let it going. I felt the presence of God begin to come down there. My bad. But I felt like just let it going. Because sometimes we could get so rigid. Well, hang on. The, 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 the church, it, it finishes at uh, uh, 12 o'clock. I've got to be home for my roast. Let it burn. And if the place is on fire, at least we know. And the natural speaks of the things of the spiritual. Go home. Go home with your spirit filled. And look at that turkey on that thing and it's burnt to cinders. Let it be an offering before the Lord. A burnt offering. The Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Trinity. And... The love of God, God the Father, part of the Trinity, and the communion with the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. The word communion with the Holy Spirit means partnership. Can you imagine it? You're partnering with Him. Union with Him. Fellowship with Him. When Jesus said, He said, it's going to be to your advantage that I go away. Lest I go away, I cannot send the comforter or the helper. Now, what does a helper do? He helps you. But you know what? He helps you circumstance. He helps you on the inside of you. He changes the inward person. He's changing you that you praise His name. Because I noticed when the outpouring the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, what ends up happening is the Holy Spirit assists us to praise Him. If I was to go through and do a, a theological study of the Word of God, you will find that the Holy Spirit is there resident in the belly of a believer. One of the key things is to change us into Him as His image, Christ. But he, the Holy Spirit brings glory to Jesus Christ. He will shift our eyes onto the Messiah. He assists us in worshiping. It's incredible. So we're not alone. Uh, 261 passages refer to the Holy Ghost. 261 in the New Testament. 30, 55 times in the Gospels. Even when Jesus was incarnate, He was there. We also see that 55 times the Holy Spirit is referenced. We also see that 57 times the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God is mentioned in the book of Acts. 112 times, or 12, 112 times in the epistles, 36 times in the rest of the New Testament, which would include the book of Revelation. He is a person. Don't switch off on me now. Just because I'm not hollowing and praising, you sort of go like this. No, 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 no. Listen, put, get, draw on it. Draw on the word. Be desperate. When people are praying and, and preaching, say, God, give me that. God, give me that. I want that. You see, what happens, so many of us, we're so worried about our depression and we're so worried about our bleak circumstances, becomes, that becomes an idol in our life. That is subject to you. Come on now. That's under your feet. 
You either believe this thing or you don't. But it's all under the feet of the believer. It doesn't matter what day you face tomorrow. You're a born overcomer because of the Spirit of God who dwells within you. That's the power of Jesus. He comes, the Holy Ghost. He is a person. He's not an it. We can't relegate the Holy Ghost as an it. He comes. He will convict. He, the Spirit of truth, I will send Him to you. You see, the Holy Spirit, He feels. The Holy Spirit can be quenched. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. He hears. He has emotions. He's not a force or an impersonal person or a mere influence or a power. He is a living being and He indwells the life of the believer and He wants to come over us and upon us to release the dynamic of God upon us to help change our world. Thank you, sister. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. We can depend on Him. We can trust Him. We need to learn to host the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit hangs with the humble. The Holy Spirit will not hang with compromise. He will knock on the door from the inside out and say, that was bad. Come on, that was bad. He will speak to us on the inside and say, you need to adjust that attitude. You're still hanging on to uh, uh, hereditary bitterness. You're still hanging on to attitudes. Drop it, son. Drop it, daughter. You ain't going nowhere. You're like a car that looks good on the outside, but the oil and the petrol has run out because I'm over here still waiting for you to adjust some things. And we wonder why we're dry on the inside and dry on the outside and we can pretend Christ. We know what to do, what to play, what to say, all that sort of stuff, but we're disengaged from Him. And what ends up happening, we want to engage God, but what happens is this, we don't really want to come with the stuff and and give it before the Lord. So what we do, we kind of engage God and we begin to start a God of our own making, a concept of God without the Holy Ghost. It's dangerous what is. It's dangerous to have a church without the Holy Spirit. In fact, most Bible scholars that, that are anything will begin to say it becomes in the end times a false church. You'll be surprised. Murray was saying the other day how many churches have actually signed up to the global, the global uh, ecumenical church setting, which isn't Christ-driven by any means. There are Pentecostal churches that have gone and signed their name. There are Word of Faith churches. Where are we going? We know that there's a one-world government, a one-world economy. Economy. We know there's a one-world religion forming. I just thought I'd chuck that in. He can be resisted. We know that. He can be quenched. We know that Jesus challenged the religiosity of the day in Acts 7, 51. He says, you stiff-necked. What an interesting thing. Stiff-necked just means this. You ready? Stubborn. That's what the word means, stubborn. Stiff-necked is like this. I'm not going to budge. My position is final. Inflexible. Unyielded. And you uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. To resist the Holy Spirit means to set yourself up in opposition towards Him. They saw the miracles. They saw the, the, uh, the dead raised in some cases. They knew that Lazarus, all that, and yet they still were full of religion and pride and resisted the work in the Holy Spirit. Now, that was those guys. That serves as a message. We've got churches that can do it today, but we could be sitting on the inside, looking pretty on the inside looking pretty on the outside, and yet we're resistant of Him. The still, small voice. When was the last time we broke for the lost? 
When was the last, it's not a condemnation trip, but let's talk about some realities, do some exercise. When was the last time we actually prayed for our neighbors and cried for their salvation? When was the last time we decided, look, let's put everything away and just begin to praise Him, begin to worship Him, and just extend greatness and hallow, hallow His name? When was the last time we watched a movie and thought, I cannot watch this movie because it's used and uttered the name of Jesus Christ and blasphemy? I cannot, I'm, I'm out, I'm out of it, I'm out of it. When was the last time that we decided, no, I'm making a decision of greater sacrifice to go up to the holy mountain? I want God. When was the last time we decided to axe the irrelevant, axe the trivia out of our life, the time-wasting stuff around our life? When do we do that in order to have more time with Him, to order to have some thinking space? Get rid of the stuff so we can actually think about what God is saying to us. When was the last time that we actually didn't resist the Holy Spirit and say, God, if that's what you're saying, I'll do it. If that's what you're saying, if you want me to give this up, I'll do it. If you want me to change this, I will do it. With your grace, but I'll do it. When was the last time we began to talk like that? It's what God is doing. He wants His church back. Otherwise, we move into being stagnant. We move into being barren. And it's a dangerous position for a Christian to be there at all. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, Or do you not know that your body, so let me throw this out, your physical body is, is a temple. It's where God resides. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you were bought at a price, Calvary. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Um, I'll throw this out. In Romans 12.1, it talks about brethren, beseech your brethren to present your bodies as a sacrifice unto the Lord. Now I want you to I want you to hear my heart on this. And then the next verse in Romans 12, 2 says, Be not fashioned according to the well, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, number one, acceptable, number two, perfect will of God. It's one will. So God's will for your life is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. Okay, so here's the deal. What we're supposed to do, um, I, have, I have worked this out. A lot of Christians say I'm confused. Well, not a lot of Christians, but some Christians say I'm confused. I'm confused. It was actually a pastor many, many years ago. He's dead now. He used to say, when he hears believers say, I'm confused, God is not an author of confusion. I generally find there's a whole belt of sin that's unyielded to God. It sits there. In my own counseling and talking to people, and I've heard people say, I'm, uh, I'm confused. I generally delve down there. They're living with somebody or they're fornicating or something's going on in their world. Pretty serious. It's going on in there. And what happens is this confusion begins to come around us. God is not an author of confusion. But the, what the Bible talks about, we begin to know Jesus' will. We know what His good will is, His acceptable and His perfect will is based upon you and I presenting our bodies before the Lord. So we've got to present our bodies, I believe, in praise and worship. We should be presenting our bodies in terms of moral purity. We should be abstaining from addictions and dependence and so forth. I think that's important. And we need to actually give God our best. It is a sacrifice of praise. This is New Testament stuff. Um, uh, the, way to be, the best way to put it is this. If you, were a, uh, if you had a racehorse, and if you had a racehorse and that racehorse was going for it, what would you feed the racehorse? I think you'd feed the racehorse with the best kind of hay and, you know, malt and whatever, but you'd feed it if it's, if, because it's an investment. 
You're not going to shove McDonald's down it or KFC or, you know, rubbish. And we're into those things we understand. But what I just want to point out a fact, we've got to look after our temple. How about the car? How about if you were given a racing Ferrari, you know, maybe four, or $500,000 worth of vehicles, what sort of petrol would you put in there? What sort of oil would you put in there? I think you'd put the best oil, the best petrol imaginable on the market because that is going to make you some money, that Ferrari. You're going to race that thing, okay? It's the same thing with our bodies. And I want to say this, what do we put into our bodies? We've got Christians that are drinking large. We've got Christians that are smoking up large and, and eating all sorts of stuff. I want to say, let's think about this. Let's just think about bringing our bodies, and I'm not just talking about that eating area. I'm not, so don't get hung up on that, please. I'm talking about presenting our bodies and I got revelation of this the other day. I thought, man, this is my body. This is mine that, got, that carries around the Holy Ghost. So where I go becomes important. Who I'm hanging out with becomes important. What I'm associating with is important. There's places I will never go because of the testimony of grace around my life. There's things I'll never engage in. When we're watching pornography, we're behind that screen, and it's like the body that houses the Holy Spirit, and you're there. It's just like, no, let's shut that thing down and let's present our bodies as a living sacrifice unto the Lord. I mean, if I, if I don't know if I've stood on some toes this morning, it was very, very clappy happy a few moments ago. Man, I would, look, we, we, want a, we want a people, a people group that are so hungry for Christ, so open, laid bare. This is not time to be upset. This is the time to con uh, consecrate. This is the time to give our lives over to the Lord. This is not a time to knock heads or to compete or to compare. This is, the, this is the track of humility, which is very different from the path of pride. Religious pride, I'll tell you what, will cap us. It will cap us for sure. It's about you and I humbling ourselves and bringing ourselves as a living sacrifice to the Lord. So it's in every year. It's in our time. It's in the area of our time. What are we doing? What's that body doing? Is it just sloughing around, mucking around? Is it doing its own thing? Uh, or, or, the, or, or is, it, is it actually doing what God would have us do? That's important. We're going to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. It's important. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Okay. The Bible says this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. 1 Corinthians 3.17, freedom from what? It's actually freedom from slavery. It's freedom from slavery. It's liberty. It's freedom. It's, uh, it's, it breaks. You see, we are, the Holy Ghost is, you ready for this? It breaks inhibitions. It breaks self-consciousness. It breaks the rejection. It breaks the insecurities there. It breaks the fear of man. It breaks the, the fear of the opinions of what other people think. It breaks that. It's, uh, it's, it, breaks the self, uh, it breaks the control we want to have, self-governance and self-control and all those things. Uh, now, we've seen people under the influences of demons. You've seen people. Uh, I don't know if you've seen um, somebody change uh, in front of you and completely change, and you look outside their eyes, and they begin to do some weird things. But when the, when the demonic begin to manifest, personalities change. People change. That's exactly the same thing where the Holy Spirit comes. The Bible says where Saul, the Holy Spirit came upon Saul, momentarily he changed into a different person. He was different. When Woodlessworth began to preach, Polly, I'd said this a while back, but Polly, his wife, said when she had heard during the day that he went to a meeting, was baptized in the Holy Spirit, he was resistant to it. 
And she said, but when I saw him preaching, he was a great revivalist, he said, do you know what happened? He said this, he said, I, she said, I was facing a different man. I was looking at somebody completely different. It's the glory of God. It's the power of the Holy Spirit upon his people and upon his church. I wrote here this morning, in fact, uh, uh, last night actually, I just wrote this as an extra here. Um, uh, the devil gets access, if you th- understand theologically, the devil gets access into heaven. He does. Accuser of our brethren. That time will finish when he'll be cast down. Michael the archangel will actually fling him out of, and he comes to the earth, and the Bible says he will come with great uh, great wrath to the earth because he knows his time is short. Basically, Satan himself has, like they say, about six different abodes where he can operate from around the world, and not in terms of like New York or, or I don't know, um, Paraguay. Not, not like that. Uh, like he entered Judas, number one. He's able to get access into heaven, number two. He'll enter the Antichrist, number three. That sort of stuff. That's what we're talking about. But here's the scripture, Luke 21, 26. I've visited this before, and I want you to grab the scripture. It's a scripture we should know. It says, man's hearts, this is Jesus speaking towards the end times, man's hearts failing them for fear. Think about this. At the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Let me break the scripture down. Man's hearts will fail them for fear. When the Holy Spirit, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does, He doesn't lead us into fear. We're not motivated by fear. Our motivations are motivated by compassion. They're motivated by love. Perfect love cast out fear. But they're motivated by the things of God. They're not motivated by insecurity or fear. That's the Holy Spirit's life inside us. But there are people, the kingdom of darkness is driven by fear. It's driven by rebellion. It's driven by pride. But essentially, it is driven by fear. We should understand that. And that's what comes through the news agencies or the networks or the propagation of, of words around that are spawned around the world. They are fearful thoughts. And people, you talk to non-Christians, non-Christians are, are uncertain. A lot of people are afraid. You talk to them and you can just feel that. And you look at their movements and reactions and you realize, oh my goodness, they're afraid. But you see, it's just men's hearts. This is before Jesus comes. Men's hearts and women's hearts will be failing them. The word fail means to faint. It means to breathe out their last. That's almost like a heart attack. But men's hearts will fail them for fear at the expectation. The expectation means at what is waiting and what has been anticipated. There are some people that are anticipating bad outcomes. They're anticipating things not to go well. What's the, what sort of generation are we leaving our kids these things? For the powers or the force of the heavens will be shaken, agitated. It's going to be toppled. It's going to be disturbed. The powers of darkness, we understand, are coming to the earth at a level that the earth has not experienced yet. Now, here's the good news. I hope you caught that. Understand we're talking about Shaking. Michael the archangel begins to kick them out of heaven. They come to the earth. The devil knows his time is short. Comes with great wrath. Seeking whom he may devour. Seek. The word seek means to look with great intensity. Looking for opportunities. But it talks about them being toppled, disturbed, and destroyed coming to earth. Here's the good news. God promises His people glory. 
Isaiah teaches us, God promises us strength. God promises us dunamis power. God promises us a sound mind. He promises us connection, love. He promises us hope. And when I look, I was looking at this thing of Yemen and all, Yemen the other day, and it's Yemen, if you, Yemen, which um, we go to Dubai. It's not actually that far from Yemen. And I thought of one day I could probably cross that line. They say nobody should really go there as foreigners. And, but the starvation, it's basically the world's worst humanitarian crisis, and nobody's really talking about it. I think five million people have been killed, thousands, thousands, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of children have been starved to death. And I get that feed constantly, and I, I sort of think, and, I, and I, I sort of wonder, and I think that the world is helpless outside of Christ. The world needs Jesus. Would you say amen to that? And Luke 21, 35, here we go, says this, Watch and pray always that you be counted worthy to escape all that is coming on this earth or coming to pass. Okay, the good news is this. The good news is Jesus Christ has given us strength and power and grace to be able to handle all kinds of odds, all sorts of things. The second and the final area is this. Do you know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit gives us great pastures, rest. All the pictures in the Word of God become alive now. They all come alive because Jesus was resting in a storm. Uh, in Psalms 22.2, it says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Have you ever laid down in the grass? It's just like, wow, I have. He leaves me beside the still waters. Be still and know that I am God. In the midst of your storm, there's a stillness to be located in your soul. He is there in the storm. Uh, notice, notice it says this, uh, he leaves me beside still waters. What is it about waters that are still? Waters. It's like the fountain of life. It's a picture. Out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. But how about this? Did you know the cultists overseas and maybe third world nations and so forth, did you know they understand the principle of still waters? You should go to some of no. Well, if you go and visit some of their shrines, Watch, they've always got water, and it's still. Because I believe the enemy understands the principle of quietness. In, uh, he understands intimacy. He understands the loudness, the raucous, the noise, and that, and the intimidating noises. But he all understands there is a place. There is a place in the spiritual realm with God where we quieten our soul, and we come before Him in humility. The enemy knows it. And that's why you'll generally find uh, where there's shrines and so forth. You watch, they have the, the water going down, and it's... It could be a little eerie feeling, but they've got that water. Why? Because I believe the enemy understands the principle. How about at the rock concerts? Why do they always have lights? Full-on lights. I'm extreme lights. Remember the, uh, some of the groups in there that I won't, I won't call them out, but I'm thinking of some right now, but they have a great lighting stage because it brings an atmosphere. Satan understands about light. He was the morning star. They say about jewelry, uh, jewels entered in, uh, or, or created around him like a garment, reflecting the glory of God as the light would shine upon him. But what is it? The Bible says he is the father, talking about God, he's the father of lights. So sometimes we look at the natural and we think, oh my goodness, this is incredible. But it speaks, the enemy understands. He understands these things. And so, so what, I, what I want to say here, and that is the Holy Spirit, he doesn't drive us. 
and if let me say this, if you're not in sin that we understand like the world sins and so forth and, and whatever, and sin is sin, if we're not doing that sort of stuff and we're living a pretty righteous life, I'll tell you what he'll try and do, he'll try and drive us. He will drive us and drive us and drive us and drive us until we don't have, so our energy is depleted. He'll get us working and working and working until the intimacy of the marriage is, is, uh, is no longer there like it should be. He will get us working and working and driven and driven and driven. And it's like a little mouse or a little rat on the little go-between. She's going around and around and around. And we've got no energy for the things of God. And sure, you're not, in, you're not, you're not committing stuff that's, you know, you're not a whatever it is, doing bad stuff. But what it is, he's got you. He's got you on his course. He's got you on his little path. He will drive us. Do you know the amount of ministries have actually fallen because they've had heart attacks? They've fallen. They've been, they've been burned out just tired, exhausted. And I want to encourage us as a church, even in the times of the Holy Spirit, we've got to, we've got to find some solace. Sometimes we put the radio on or we put the television on because we can't stand quietness. Because quietness is just we've got to be doing stuff. That's not a great place. A busy life is not conducive always to a spiritual life. What it is is we need to create some space where we can actually hear the voice of the Lord where we can actually hear and we energize ourselves and God speaks to us and we begin to carry the Word of God. We begin to hear His voice and His, word, and His voice energizes us. His, his, uh, his voice begins to lift us up another area and pulls us up and it just begins to do great things for us on the inside because we've spent some time with Him. Oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit wants in. We can begin to praise Him. We begin to worship Him. We can say, Holy Spirit. How many of you uh, last week, remember I, I said, how many of you last week went ahead this week and got up in the morning and actually said, good morning, Holy Spirit? Praise the Lord. Isn't that fine? How about that? That's amazing. I want, don't give up on that. Honestly, don't give up. Because if we talk about Him, He will come. If we talk about Him, His presence will be manifest. We get what we go for. Talk about you, Lord, you'll come. And our families, talking to our children about Jesus. Talking to the, the family, the children about the Holy Spirit. Because some of us, sometimes we can have them sort of go the world's way and aspirations and opportunities and that. But my goodness, be wise. Be wise. Bring in Christ. Bring in Christ. If you enjoyed this message feel free to subscribe and leave a review we'd also love to hear from you you can connect with us on instagram or facebook at celebration raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com until next time <laughs>